All right, man, we're live. Morning. So, cheers. What's new with you? Well, uh, a lot. So, <laughs> uh, so we're going to do a little uh, catch up. So, some of you guys have checked out uh, our first two episodes. We appreciate it a lot. There's been a lot happening. And those episodes have actually been, um, those have been out for, were recorded about four months or so ago, maybe five months. So they're not really fresh and we need to get a little bit more up to date on them. And so, um, yeah, I get, well, I was episode one, so I guess I'll go first. We, uh, see. So since then, um, I've gotten back into grad school. So started that program and just actually wrapped up, um, classes for the quarter last night. You said you're so, good for two weeks now. Yeah. I'm off two weeks, uh, two weeks from today. So that's good. Um, right on. anyone that wasn't, uh, familiar with that information, I restarted, uh, back in school, um, back in grad <laughs> school to get my master's in clinical mental health counseling. So hopefully here in about two and a half years, I will be a licensed therapist. So keep that in mind. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> People need help. So, um, no, it's, uh, it's great. Uh, it's learning a lot. It's yeah, it's fantastic. Um, got your own place. Got my own place. Um, I've been living on my own here for a few weeks. About to inherit a robot vacuum. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hands giving me a robot vacuum and getting some furniture set up, getting stuff set up for my kids. I got TV and some electronics and stuff hung this past weekend. So kind of making it into a home so that we can do the 50, 50 thing. Um, finishing all the paperwork for my divorce and hopefully going to have that finished here, like within the like coming days, um, hoping to actually finish all that paperwork like Saturday. Right on. So get that filed and it's all uphill. Yeah. All uphill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of it for me. What about you, man? Some big news. Yeah. It's been a lot of, it's been a roller coaster. Yeah. But let's see what um, I got engaged. So that's awesome. On New Year's. It's about time. Yeah. New Year's. We enjoyed that. That was fun. Yeah. (laughs) Still left over. But no, that was awesome. Actually, it's about time. I mean, we've been together for almost six years, you know, so it's kind of a shame it's taken me this long. But I I mean, we'll say marriage has been a little tainted for me, I suppose. Well, yeah. It's understandable. But I'm for actually first time around wasn't great. No, but I'm actually extremely excited for this time. So everybody keeps asking us about dates, but uh, I mean, since we've been together so long, I think we can go a little while longer and see what this COVID stuff's gonna do. Because we just want to have a nice party and not have to worry about anything. Yeah, have all our friends over and yeah, basically just don't want to have to worry about anything. Right. Um. So that, but then. Yeah, so let's see. I break my knee, get better, get seriously sick, get better, get COVID, get better, <laughs> get engaged, <laughs> then grandma dies. Yep. Mickey. Yep. And grandma Mickey finally passed away. Grandma oh, Mickey. Here's to her. But it was time. It was good. Yeah, I mean, she was 93 years old, so yep. what do you expect? Yep. So, and one of the very few of your family that would actually still have anything to do with you. So, yeah, yeah, we had very strong relationship there towards the end. Yep. She welcomed me 
every yeah. time. So that's awesome. whether or not she knew who I was, <laughs> well, so especially towards date. the end. But you know, yeah. But I like to think she did, right? <laughs> so yeah. Well, like you said, it was it was time to hang on to the good memories and oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, yep. perfect. So glad she's moved on now, and we can all move on a little yeah. bit in our own ways. Yeah, but other than that, I oh, not too much, I guess. Just uh, been doing housework, and it's been a nice, warm, negative thirty. So we've been stuck in the house for. Yeah, oh, you haven't worked this week. No, no, so, I haven't worked. Well, I've just been working on the house. Well, yeah, yeah. basically, <laughs> I ripped a wall out. You of haven't it. worked secondly this week. <laughs> You've just worked at things that cost you money, not making money. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, 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 because I got into stocks. That's true. We got yeah, some stocks going. I'm into the stonk game. Got some stonks. They're not doing too well. No. It's gonna it's gonna be all right. It'll we'll turn around. It. Yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah. Well, so. <laughs> good luck. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Mine aren't doing so hot either, but yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Actually, the one that I have is uh it's I should take that back. That one has actually like quadrupled in value, maybe even like five times value. But I think I had like three or four bucks. It's <laughs> all I had. Like it was like a freebie, and it was like three bucks, and now it's up to like twelve or thirteen or something. So, so I mean, I guess performance wise, yeah, it's doing great. But volume, yeah, it's not really doing a damn thing. Well, one thing that kind of rubbed me weird, and I don't know, maybe this is common or whatever, but when my grandma died, my uncle came down and his family, and they stopped by, and we were talking, and he informed me that one of my other uncles, his brother is in stocks like oh. he's got robin hood and he does all that stuff but he's like a former elder still seriously in and all that stuff okay so yeah am i wrong like is that kind of weird or um was there people it, that it used to be but i think it's gotten more ever since they kind of lightened yeah, up on the gambling it's stuff not or... as much of a big deal yeah because i know a lot of i know a lot of people that were still in that have stocks and stuff how does that work because I mean that was it's just I mean it's somewhat gambling. Right. It's, it's just <laughs> might it's, be a little more. It's an invest. Super low paced gambling. Uh, other new stuff that just that reminded me of since then. Um, things with my mom like started to go really well. Like they were they were poor since I had left, and then they kind of went back up, and now they seem to have kind of tanked a little bit. I've been outed as an apostate now officially, so I guess should have brought that up. Um, but yeah, so now people are, uh, yeah, it was bound to happen at right. some point. Yeah. No, I'm not upset at all. It's yeah. it's a it's sigh of relief, really. So, but a little bit rough. Had some conversation with my mom, and that went about as well as it could, and honestly, probably better than I should have expected. So, but it's. Ah, time will tell. Right. So maybe she'll come around. Maybe she won't. And if not, uh, the nice thing is I've gotten to a point where, um, well, I mean, some of the people watching here, um, I'm at a place where I got enough people around me that you know, it is what it is. Yeah. If I've kind of decided if somebody wants to be around, they'll be around. And if they don't, then they won't. So, and I'm <laughs> going to try not to lose any sleep over it. Obviously it sucks some things, but yeah. Yeah. Do what you do. Move on. Yep. Exactly. So, yep. Yeah. Well, that being said, my dad still thinks Armageddon's coming this fall. I heard that. I actually told somebody that online earlier today. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody on Reddit was asking about uh, 
you know, do the witnesses think this COVID thing is, you know, is it coming like here? I heard somebody said it's going to be here by 2022. I don't know. I heard somebody say they thought this fall. So, but by 2022, they're yeah, actually, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm guessing somebody just spouted just, some yeah, rumor or something yeah. off, but yeah, yeah, I don't God, I, get through I, 22. I make it through to 22. <laughs> we got a new slogan. All right. On. Anyway. <laughs> Copyrighted. Yeah. Anyways, that one's ours now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's nuts, but that's why we're here because it's our goal to find paradise wherever we can find it, whether whether that's in religion for you or out of religion for you, if it's got nothing to do with religion, uh, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, we're just all about finding happiness and kind of pushing our lives forward in happier direction, getting to where we can just live uh, peacefully. So and sharing experiences. Yep. So which that's why we're here. And so speaking of which we actually have uh, an old friend, old, like it's been a long time. So, um, it, we're just going to get her in the show right now. She'll be coming in. Hi. Hey. Hey, Maureen. How you doing? Good. How are you guys today? Good. Good all to right. have you. Um, so you are, all right, you're in Utah, right? Currently, yes. Okay. Yep. In St. George? No. Um, we're just south of Ogden. Okay. We're kind of, yeah. we're, we're in a, we're in a small town called Layton. So it's in between Ogden and Salt Lake City. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So I get a little bit of background. Um, so I like, we've just recently reconnected, I guess, but like we, I've technically known you since you were probably like four, three or four, I'm going to guess. So my oldest brother, he went to pioneer school in 93, it would have been, and he stayed with Marine's family. And so we got to know them, uh, your mom, your stepdad, James, Krista. Um, so, or, yeah, no, Jim was, or no, is Jim your dad? He's your stepdad. James is my brother. No, no uh, but Wanda's <laughs> husband. Her, okay, so she has, she's got two ex-husbands. Uh, Steve yeah. was her first, which, yeah. she, that's James and Krista's biological father. And yeah. Brad was Brad. my, Brad, yeah. I don't know why I was thinking Jim, Brad. Brad. Brad Moore. Yeah, no, okay. you're thinking you were thinking of James because James is my brother. Well, I, I knew James, but for some reason I was thinking like he was James Jr. I don't I have no idea why. Completely no. wrong. Well, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> but you correct us. So um well it's nice to formally meet you. I've yeah. never met you before. So I'm Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah, kind I think of I... like we... <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I recently I kind of reconnected with uh, your sister about I'd say over the last year or so. And so we've kind of kept in touch a little bit. And then she actually put me in touch with you a couple of months ago because I was looking for, uh, to help out a friend from, I think Australia that was potentially going to be coming for, um, some of the St. Uh, Supreme court hearings that were going on in, uh, Salt Lake a couple months back. And I don't think, mm-hmm. I think their plans fell through. I don't think he ever ended up actually coming stateside. And so, but but we reconnected a little bit and then, so we've talked and since we got the, the podcast going, you reached out last week just to say, you know, Hey, thanks. Enjoying it. And we kind of like simultaneous were like, you know, if we ever need guests or something and you were at the same time saying, if you want to get, so here we are, but, and you get the honor of being the first one. So nice. uh, Congrats. I, will, 
I wasn't I wasn't expecting to be the first one, but I mean, <laughs> I, I'll take it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so I'm 29 now. <laughs> that's how that's how long it's been. I'm 29 now. I, I'm married. I've got two little ones. Um, I've been out of the witnesses or uninvolved, I should say, for about 13 years now. Okay. Um, born and raised. Um, obviously, because you knew me when I was very, very, very little. Um, grew up, essentially, by the time I was, like, old enough to really, really, real, make a real impact when it came into, like, the witnesses. My mom was uh, a single parent, so we were already essentially at a disadvantage being, you know, in the witnesses, just because of their, like, viewpoints on marriage. and And, I mean, I guess that's kind of standard for a lot of different religions but uh you know being you know being at a very young age in it it's just kind of it is it's what you do it's the it's all you know at that point in time and then you as you like get older things start to change as you start to develop and develop personality and and everything like that so my transition was very turbulent in a sense that by the time I started becoming a teenager, things got very dark very, very fast. I started going through things that I didn't quite understand what I was going through. And that's that's the weird thing about like the witnesses is them and mental health do not do not mesh well at all. So when you're dealing with depression or you're dealing with something like that, to them it's uh, get up, get over it. Or take a pill. And- yeah. See, that wasn't even an option for me yeah. until it was no <laughs> longer an Bible option enough. for my mom. Yeah. Are you yeah. are you reading the Bible enough? Well, and that's, <laughs> that's back to my point of why I'm back in school to be a therapist. Because as I came out and life just became hell for me and my ex-wife just did everything she could to make my life suck, I got to a point where I'm like, well, nope, something bad's going to happen. Like, we got something drastic. And so I started seeing a therapist. And it's great. Um, And I realized there is not enough mental health resources, especially for people in this religion and people that understand it, people that have actually gone through it and lived it. So, you know, otherwise you end up spending (laughs) your first three sessions with a therapist just explaining what the hell's going on. (laughs) So, and and you don't, you know, here's the thing. I'm paying enough for my education. You should not have to educate your therapist so no it's a it's a huge need also i just wanted one second uh we've got a couple of comments people saying you know hello that are watching this live so uh alicia thanks for Uh, alicia yeah (laughs) but uh you know back to you (laughs) i think um i think you know growing up as a witness i think things really really started to change for me and my perception on it roughly about the time i hit junior high school junior high school i just I just didn't feel like I fit in in anywhere because like you you're not allowed to hang out with people outside of out outside of the Kingdom Hall. And uh, so you have this almost like social awkwardness at school because you just you want and especially kids at that young age, they want to be loved. They want to be accepted. They want to be able to make those social connections because that's who we are as humans. That's that's what we're supposed to do. That's survivability. So I was in that really weird awkward phase where I could was making friends at school I could feel a little bit more home at school but then I would go home and I just would I feel like I was just walking into a completely different world and it was a very uncomfortable feeling to constantly be in so as 
you know, I started to disillusion myself more from the witness ideas, the more trouble I got into, you know, the sneaking around, the, the doing things that your parents would frown upon, you know, right. bring, bring shame to the name. So, you know, I, <laughs> um, and by the time I hit ninth grade, everything, uh, fell apart. Everything blew up. Um, I started going through and what I, and I mean, I didn't realize it at the time, but I started dealing with some extremely severe depression, some severe anxiety. I was developing a sleep disorder. I struggled with these horrific nightmares that I couldn't, I couldn't explain them. Like I, they didn't make any sense to me why I was having them and everything like that. It wasn't, it wasn't until, um, I had overheard a conversation that my sister had had with her now ex-husband that everything just, it was like, oh, it's so hard to describe. It was almost like getting like transported back in time and you sit in a flashback zone. <laughs> and that's where like <clears throat> eventually, you know, things started to, to get kind of crazy. So I realized what I was reliving. I was reliving things that my mind had blocked out when I was a kid. So, so, I mean, I was dealing with that. I wasn't quite sure how to handle it. I was extremely isolated. I didn't really have, I didn't really have any outlets or, or anybody that I could really talk to about all of this stuff. And my mom, my mom is a very complicated relationship. I think it, I think it always has been because as I started to pull away, the more crackdown she got and it caused nothing but conflict um I went into ninth grade dealing with my first round of ninth grade we'll get, we'll get to that I went to my first round of ninth grade dealing with some dealing with that depression and not knowing what it was and kind of trying to sift through a lot of trauma that was that I was reliving so I was getting into trouble at school I was hanging out with kids I wasn't supposed to I was sneaking around with boys and I was getting caught like, don't get me wrong. I was getting caught a lot. So you weren't really good at sneaking. I got good eventually. <laughs> eventually, I got good. Time, it helps. It helps when you end up finding out you have a doppelganger. That, oh. oh, yeah. Right. It, okay. it wasn't until years later that my mom called me and she's like, "So you know all those times that I like accused you of things, and you're like, what the hell are you talking about?" She's like, "Yeah, I know you're living out in like Georgia now, but there is someone who lives here who looks." exactly like you and i'm like well, that's not creepy <laughs> that's kind of weird there's even in the same town so like convenient though i guess so it's funny because through junior high school there were groups of people that would call me by a different name i'm like i don't know who you're talking about like <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense to me oh i never did get to meet this person face to face so i was a little disappointed no. there but um we'll call your mom see if she can set up a meeting yeah uh best of luck <laughs> she is still very 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 indoctrinized like yeah. there's oh. it's been one of those situations like all the conversations we've had there there's no hope so i don't even i don't even fight it anymore there's yeah, yeah from talking with krista it's not very it, it sounds like she maybe talks to your mom every maybe every couple of years like just kind of a little catch up just not real and it's usually it's usually more of a blow up than so every conversation you have with my mother typically ends up in a blow up it's she uh, she is a uh, two different people 
because the version you probably remember or know of my mom is she's not the same person behind closed doors. Yeah. She yeah, is two yeah. incredibly different people. And nobody ever believe. well, no one ever believes that until they actually start to see it. And I've, I've had a few people be like, huh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> like I get it now. Yeah. Nope. Um, so 15, I started, I started hanging around with questionable crew at school. And I ended up, I, I think I just got to a point where I just didn't really give a care in the world anymore. Like I just, I'd kind of broken. And I, you know, I, I sit here now and I think back on it that, you know, <clears throat> because I got labeled, you know, the bad kid, nobody wants to hang out with the bad kid. And someone went out of their way to destroy my reputation over something they didn't even understand. And that led to that led to even more significant separation from the witnesses. But uh, I started I started ditching school a lot, uh, just going and hanging out with the wrong crowds. And I got myself into a really bad situation and ended up dealing with a sexual assault. Hmm. And at the time, I didn't know how to deal with it. I was too afraid of my own skin and my own home to know how to deal with it. So I just, I just bared the weight of it. And the kid at school that had done this proceeded to spread some rumors. And roughly about the time that this was happening, one of the girls I went to the Kingdom Hall with, who was also an elder's daughter, caught wind of it. But, you know, instead of, instead of, you know, there's always that, that backstabbiness. Uh, soon rumors started to spread through the Kingdom Hall that I was essentially sleeping around with a bunch of people at school. Yeah, yeah. And none of it, none of it was true, but, yeah. the, but instead of, you know, having those conversations and I had already, this was about the time I'd already like taken the steps to, cause I was never baptized, not, not for yeah. a lack of effort, more or less a lack of ability, I would say. Because I'd already, you know, gone through the unbaptized publisher kind of stuff. Sure. And so these rumors spread like wildfire. And it would get to the point where me and my mom would walk into the Kingdom Hall. And no one would look at me. No one would talk to me. No one <laughs> would allow their kids to be anywhere near me. So now I'm not allowed to hang out with kids at school. I'm not allowed to hang out with kids at the hall. I have yeah. literally nobody. <laughs> uh, to a 15-year-old kid, that's that's trauma. That's yeah. completely... I, I don't think I've ever been that low before. So... Did, and they, I, have, like, I Did they have a marking talk or anything on you? No. And oh. that, that, was, that was another thing. Like, I, I would try to, like, answer at meetings or do things like that and I the elders would look directly at me and look somewhere else they wouldn't let me be involved and they never even reprimanded me until later um they let the rumors just completely fly like they didn't even bring anything to my mom (laughs) they just basically just you know oh she's she's tainted don't don't be around her yeah and so they won't let her their kids around me like okay fine you know it is it is what it is at that point um, I finally got caught ditching school and hanging out with a boy. Like I got, I got away with that for almost like two months of like, 
going to school but not staying at school for like two months <laughs> i ditched i don't know how my mom because my mom got calls every day and of course i was like yeah, i was late to a few classes i don't know how for like two solid months she had no idea i wasn't even there <laughs> <laughs> well, unless she did, and she was just like, well, yeah, I'm not going to deal with that right now. <laughs> My mom was the overbearing type. There was no way. Uh, there was no way that. I think she just chose to just not look into it. Until yeah. until like one day she tried to reach me and I didn't answer my phone right away. So she called the school and the school spilled like everything <laughs> out on the yeah. table. Yeah. So, you know, I had gotten caught with sneaking around and everything like that and it turned into an extremely blow up situation at home like just blew up me and my mom are screaming at each other and things are very overwhelmed and she when my mom gets mad she's relentless she just beats down there's nothing you can ever do that's right <laughs> and i got really frustrated and I don't know where it came from, but I blurted, essentially blurted out that, you know, I had dealt with a sexual assault several months back. And for a split second on my mom's face, I saw a look of maybe sympathy, maybe devastation for a split second. And then she pursed her lips, got really quiet. And, you know, I look, I look at my own kids and I'm like, man, I'd go to prison for my kids. Like, yeah. There's nothing. I, there's nothing I wouldn't do to protect. My I kids. told my ex-wife that I don't know how many times. If anyone touches my kids, you better be prepared to raise them on your own, <laughs> because daddy's going away for a while. But yeah, it's it's and, amazing. Yeah. So like, and like for a split second, I almost thought I saw my mom, and then she kind of pursed her lips and she didn't directly say it but indirectly she essentially said you know that's what you get for being a part of the world like that that's what they have to offer you and i was yeah. and i think i think if my mom would have been encouraging like okay we need to like report this we need to take the next steps maybe i would have but not having anyone at my back to essentially help me through that i just i ended up I ended up spiraling even deeper. And I think it was it was the summer I was 15 almost I would be 16 in September. So it was that summer after my first round of ninth grade was my first uh, was my suicide attempt. Yeah. That's hard. Well, yeah. And, and that landed me yeah. in that landed me in a mental mental hospital for a good chunk of that summer. Really? Yeah. And I, yeah. that was actually the first time that I actually had to go through and really be, because I mean, I'd had therapy as a kid because when my parents split, Brad went to move down into Texas and my mom stayed in Wyoming, obviously, and they had a custody arrangement that I was supposed to, when I got old enough or whatever, I was supposed to spend summers uh, down in Texas with my dad or with mm. Brad, I should say. And, uh, I just remembered as a kid being completely terrified of it. Like I didn't want to be around him. I didn't really want anything to do with him. He so they they put they put me through therapies as a kid to kind of figure out what was going on. And it didn't come out until later about all of his abuse and everything. So he is very much not a part of my life or anywhere around my kids. Because yeah. I would never put them in harm's way. No. Yeah. But I think I was. Yeah, 
I was very, very young at the time. And that was the trauma that I was reliving. So that was that was all of that I was dealing with, plus all of this and having like no outlets because you're so isolated as a witness. You you literally have nothing. So after my suicide attempt and getting released from the hospital, I did try to dive back into it. I definitely did try to I went back to meetings and stuff like that. And then I'd say for a few months, I was doing okay. And then I spiraled again. Like I started developing what we later found out was a severe anxiety disorder that unfortunately I will carry with me forever. But I, uh, I got to a point where I had a really bad, almost, almost PTSD panic attack one night before meeting and I was this was shortly after I'd say I was I was 16 at the time because I remember that I think I was it was short a few months before my 17th birthday but my mom was you know getting ready to to go to meeting and stuff like and stuff like that and I told her I'm like I can't I can't do it like I can't bring myself to go and the more she pushed the more I broke down and I and I got so panicky that my mom finally was like, fine, whatever, don't want to deal with it kind of thing. And for a moment, I was like, maybe I've won this war <laughs> for a few moments. I get ready to go back to bed and a car pulls out in front of the house. My mother called the elders because she always hung that over my head. Anytime <laughs> I would try to pull away, she hung that over my hat, head to keep me terrified. And reminder, these are the same people that when they reprimanded me, wanted me to sit there in front of them and explain an explicit detail of my sexual life, which didn't happen because there's no need for them to have that information. And I think the worst part of that is they didn't even have my mom present for it. Yeah. That's always been just nuts to me how three grown men in a room can sit there and think that they have any right to that kind of information. And yeah. Well, I mean, like when I had my first few elders meetings, they started asking me some pretty none of their business stuff. And it was just really it was very invasive, made me feel very uncomfortable and awkward. But at the same time, I was thinking if I was a girl, this would be horrible because <laughs> you got these two old dudes asking you really inappropriate things. Oh, and, yeah. And essentially insinuating that it's your fault. Absolutely. Yeah. So, no. yeah. 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 Right. They, yeah, that's that's all they did the entire time was just insinuate it's your fault for for putting yourself in that position. I mean, like seriously, who goes out of their way to experience something like that? I don't think there's any human being that would. Right. Cuz their logic on that is just super super flawed and gross. Very right. gross. But the elders pull up, right? And at this point, the panic rises back up. But I think I had gotten, I had been so broken at that point in time, my give a shit just went out the window. So when they came in and they cornered me about it and said, you know, you really need to, your, your mom's head of your household, you really, really need to listen to her. I finally just took a deep breath. And with like the resignation on my face, I looked at them and I'm like, fine, you can take me to meeting, but you're going to take me out of this house kicking and screaming. And I will make the biggest scene you have mm. ever seen. <laughs> They're all about reputation. 
Yep. Yeah. That's all they care about. Yep. Yep. It was in that moment that they looked at my mom and they were like, it's not our business. You're on your own now. <laughs> we flexed a little bit and we got nothing. So you're on your own. Yeah. Nice. That's all it is. You won. Good for you, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the war's never over. Well, yeah, but that battle. Yeah. That battle yeah. was the big was the big peaking moment. And yeah. I mean, after having to be in, in WBI for the suicide attempt, uh, they had to do like evaluations in there. And um, that's where because I, I ended up choosing to repeat the ninth grade so that I didn't have to go back to school with the kid that was ruining my life. Um, yeah. Essentially. He he, no. Okay. He wasn't. Okay. And as far as I know, he ended up in prison anyways. So good for him. Probably, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a drug related thing, but well, whatever crassy, it was, sounds like the end of the story should be. So. Yeah, he's probably going to go there anyways. Yeah. So, yeah, so that is, so going yeah through WBI. So we've you know had figured out. Then I had to go back to therapy, and I had to do a bunch of different things. They had had me on like different medications, and as my anxiety it started to get worse because it didn't get better. Even being away from the witnesses didn't get better because I was still in a home that wasn't a home. Yeah. There was constant yeah. battles with my mom. There was constant drag downs, tearing me down. You know, I'm I'm a a bad person for choosing, you know, the, a different path for my life. There was always something. So I just ended up getting diagnosed with a severe anxiety disover- disorder. There was some PTSD there. And then what, as the anxiety got worse, um, I remember I was, it was my second round of ninth grade. I was in gym class and I was struggling to keep up. I was struggling to breathe. Like I felt like my chest was tight. I was, you know, something didn't feel right. So I had like talked to my mom and I'm like, I don't know if I'm like have an onset of asthma or something like that, but I'm, I'm struggling to breathe in gym class. Like it's simple as that. So my mom had to take me in to do a pulmonary test uh, to test my breathing, to see if there's any restraint there. Um, what it does is it adds stress onto your lungs so that it can test whether or not it can be resistant to it. Well, the more stress that they added onto me in that situation, um, they ended up stopping the test because I ended up essentially passing out. Uh, they, according to them, because I, I mean, I didn't see anything. According to them, it looked like I'd had a seizure. Oof. So they had to stop the test and they uh, referred my mom over to a neurologist. And we visited with a neurologist and we had, I'd been off and on having those kind of like pass out episodes kind of a thing, not really understanding what it was. So they, he put me on a medication to essentially treat seizures because they were pretty convinced that that's what was going on. And I had been on that medication for, I think a good like four or five months before nothing was, nothing was getting better on them. I was still having the episodes. They were getting more frequent. They were getting more they were strengthening so um they took me in for i did a neurological test and i had to stay the night stay a couple nights in the hospital and then shortly shortly after we were about halfway through the testing when the neurologist came in he's like we're we're cutting all testing we're done we've kind of figured out what was going on and that's when i got diagnosed with nes which essentially they're non-epileptic seizures 
-hmm. what it is, is they were, the more my anxiety got worse, I had developed a pattern of what they called breath holding. So Mm -hmm. I would get so stressed out, I'd hold my breath. And what that does is it doesn't cause any electrical, it treats it like a seizure, but it doesn't cause any electrical current, essentially stops your heart for a short bit of time, but your body treats it like a seizure. Wow. Yeah, so there were there were therapies I had to go through with that, and I still there there's still very much a consistent amount of anxiety. I think that's something that I'm going to the anxiety, the depression, the the cycles. I think that's something that I will have to deal with for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I've kind of come to I I've kind of come to notice a lot of the same. I think I've yeah I've, I've had some episodes to where I think it's yeah I think it's something that I'm gonna. Obviously not similar circumstances, but I, you know, the end result, I think there's going to be those lingering things for a long time. Yeah. 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 I think, I think the, the final out that that was kind of it for me. Um, So, I mean, through different like treatments and therapies, it was about, I remember it was about a couple weeks before my 18th birthday. I still had a year left of high school and Oh, was just essentially trying to survive until I could start my life somewhere else. Cause I was just, I was, I was done. It had been a really long, hard road at that point in time. And my mom decides she's going to ultimatum me. She, because I, that, because from 16 up to about 18, I hadn't been going to meetings. I hadn't been involved. I had, I wanted nothing to do with it and I hadn't changed my mind or even questioned it. And so my, my mom essentially was like, well, you have two options here. She's like, you can either go back to meetings, deal with it, or you can find some other place to be. So I was like, okay, I'll find some place else to be. <laughs> and I packed yeah. my stuff and I moved out. And yeah. I, I mean, I moved in with my friend's grandma for a while, but that didn't end up working out. So I ended up moving in with uh, this guy I started dating for a while and finished out my last year of high school. And then that relationship crumbled and blew up. So from there I moved in with, um, a bunch of friends that I had had all dudes. I was the only girl in a house full of dudes, um, and was working two jobs to kind of make ends meet when, um, I had actually met my husband before that. I met him at a magic, the gathering tournament. Not okay. on a first name basis. We wow. versed each other, and then he started coming. Then he started coming into GameStop where I was working. Oh, he kicked my ass. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what do you do? Oh yeah, he's a competitive person. You learn yeah. to live with it. Yeah. You know, your uh, honestly, your uh, your brother James. I credit him for like my lifelong love of comics. Honestly, so. I remember reading the death of Superman when we came to visit uh, Jeremy in you guys' basement when uh, we were there for his pioneer school. And I loved comics ever since then. So, Yeah, that's, that's my brother. My brother actually plays video games with my husband. So, okay, cool. Nice. James, James is actually renting my house that I own out in Georgia. Okay. Yeah. My husband, my husband served um, active duty. So we moved around a lot. Okay. moved yeah. around a lot but yeah no I met him on we hadn't met and then we started a D&D group together and then things had kind of fallen fallen apart within our group and we didn't see each other for a while but roughly about the time that I was getting out of my 
the relationship that I had with the guy I was living with, and then I moved in with roommates, uh, he had got out of his long-term relationship. And we kind of started hanging out again, and things rekindled. I think we started dating. I was, I was 19 at the time. We started dating in December, and we got married in May. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I married him at 19. Yeah, that is really You know, that's, that's what I thought. <laughs> But then I sit back and I look at my relationship and, and everything. And I was like, we're coming up on our 10 year anniversary right now. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes it just works out. Like yeah, I, I met, I met this without the stipulations. Right. Basically, you know. I, I met this girl in uh, while my husband was serving active duty and she, I, her story is kind of crazy. Cause you would think, man, was she, she raised a witness. And then you were like, Oh no, no that's behind it. So she ended up, she has been with the same guy, married. They've got three kids now since seventh grade. Wow. They started dating in seventh grade. She ended up pregnant as a teen, and he's stuck with her. They had I two more they kids got after that. In grade. No, no. They, they started dating in seventh grade. I mean, they got yeah, married, I think, uh, within the same year that me and my husband did. But, yeah, they they were together for a long time, and they're, they're still together going strong. Wow. Yeah. And That's and impressive. she's like your age, about your age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm not good for them. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some things, some things just work out. So yeah, no, my husband and I are. It'll be this May. We're coming up on our 10 year anniversary. Right on. Got two beautiful kids, and um, the relationship with my mom is still very, very, very up and down. Um, we will talk through those stuff. Yeah, and I think a lot of that had to do with when I went through when I when I went through the whole deep programming of the witness thing, and when I was able to fully step away, I spent a lot of time probably in that healing phase, learning. I think I think one of the biggest things uh, to healing is you know forgiveness in a sense. So being able to look back on everything that had happened with my mother and everything that I had resented her for. I think finally being able to like forgive her and let go mended things, but because she's still so indoctrinated, there's still a level of toxicity that. I think one of the biggest things to healing is you know forgiveness in a sense. So being able to look back on everything that happened with my mother and everything that I was wondering what happened. I think finally being able to like forgive her. So. I clicked on another tab just to see, like, if people watching it just wanted to start playing. <laughs> Technical wow. difficulties. Yeah, we're back. Anyways, <laughs> my apologies. That was one hundred and ten percent on me. But, so. but I mean, like, you know, there's been a lot of forgiveness there for a lot of things she's done, and I think that. Uh, the reason why I still have contact with my mother is I don't want to look back and because I mean, she's still my mom and I still love her because she's my mom, but I don't want to look back and have any regrets for cutting ties. And another, a part of it is a little bit of pride. You know, I just don't, I don't want to let her have that power over me knowing that she won and I kind of yeah. thing. So yeah, it's you don't so prove them right. And a no. part of you doesn't want to stoop to that level either, right? No. You know, it's like I've thought so many times about just writing my parents a letter, cutting them off completely, and just being done with the whole thing, wiping my hands. But it's it's also like, no, I'm going to be there when they need me, unlike them, 
who they just don't really care. I mean, they live five minutes away, but I'm not them. I'm better. <laughs> and we're better than that. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. a weird, it's complicated, but I get it. And after a certain time, per, amount of time passes, you start to feel more pity than anything, you know, you feel kind of bad for them. I don't that, know. I feel bad that she'll never understand that, that liberation of being able to just finally being your own person. Like, right. I, like now I've got probably the best group of friends that I could have ever asked for. We, I've got some incredibly close, good people in my life that keep me going relatively steady and we're all spread out. Like we are, I've made some lifelong friends when my husband was in uh, the military and I still talk to them every day. Like my, my best, my best guy friend, which is funny because he's part of the LDS community. And him and I have had long religious talks <laughs> about a lot of different things. Uh, he was the one who actually walked me down the aisle because my husband and I got married in Vegas. Awesome. Wow. That's cool. By Elvis? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that was the plan. But the Elvis personator, by the time we got hitched, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning because we drove all day. <laughs> so by the time we got there, they didn't really, they didn't have him working. So we're like, well, we'll just, we'll take what we can get. Cause okay. we're just, would you get like kid rock or something? Uh, no, it was just the guy that was running it that night. It was so late. Oh, it was okay. just, just yeah. the main guy. So, um, no, nope, okay. we just went in and got married and. Oh, yeah. Well, like you said, it's, you develop a group of friends. I same thing when you leave, there's not supposed to be anything on the outside. Everything is supposed to be terrible and everyone is yeah. just, they're monsters and they're just going to chew you up and spit you out. And you, you're not going to find any love anywhere ever again. And I'm like, Couldn't be no, I didn't find love there because where are all these people that were supposed to be taking care of me? Like I haven't heard from any of them in how long, and now they're just busy talking shit behind my back. So they got nothing better to do with their lives. I mean, their right. prophecies haven't come true yet, so they just sit and wallow in misery and disappointment right. continuously and become more bitter. I don't yeah. know anybody who would really want to be a part of that. And I think that's, you know, I think that's why when I saw what you guys were doing and I had a chance to listen to the episodes and like hear your stories and relate, man, I went back in time a little bit just hearing some of the some of your different stories and how similar the the phases of isolation were by far the worst. Yeah. Right. Not having anybody or having any outlets, especially when you're coming out. The deprogramming phase uh, is so intense. Pretty brutal. And kind of yeah. dangerous. <laughs> Quite. You know? Yeah. It yeah. can it can have some severe impacts on you. If you don't have the right people around you to kind of help you through yep. it. I mean, it can get I think I think as bad as bad as this might sound, I think the one thing that really helped me was that that ostracization. I mean, I was never disfellowshipped because I was never baptized, but I mean, what was the difference? I was treated the same as someone yeah. who would have been disfellowshipped on a rumor. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. on a rumor like i still yeah. still kind of baffles me i was like that's how you that's how you treat people i was like and people need to know how you treat people yeah. because that's that's abuse is what it is yeah. it's a very very abusive patterns and abusive situation and right. and like i said the situations with my mom is still still kind of rough because when she tries to bring stuff up and i'm just like eh, mute 
<laughs> well, she'll still try and kind of preach to you a little bit. She has or... her she has her moments, and I was just like, "You're doing it again. You're getting preachy. <laughs> I don't I don't like it." And she's like, "You know, she'll be she'll back off a little bit." She's it took a long time, but I think when she got a lot less preachy to me is, and we didn't talk for months after this conversation, but she she brought up something, and I was just like you don't you don't get it and i was like i will never get behind or support the witnesses again i was like especially after everything started coming out about them hi- hiding you know perpetrators and molesters and abusers i was like how can you get behind that because the biggest problem that we have with that in society as a whole is the people who keep quiet I was yeah. like, when you turn a blind eye, you're no better than what they are. And when her response to me was, you know, it's in Jehovah's hands, I about blew a gasket. Right. And I was like, you have the opportunity to say something and you say nothing. And you did right. the same thing with me and you're going to do the same thing for them. And I'd never put my kids in harm's way. Oh, like no. I said, that yeah. it's not a healthy place. No. To be. Yeah. And I mean, I had a conversation with my mom last week. Um, and we, I think I mentioned it in the, in my episode that the best man at my wedding, we found out later on was a pedophile. He'd been molested his niece for like six years. And so this came out, you know, he was the best man at my wedding. And then he got married a year or two after that. And then about a year or two after he was married, it all came out and so it was, yeah, a mess. And he's since reinstated and never reported to the police, you know, and, and my mom essentially thinks it's sufficient that, you know, he did his time, you know, he was, he was out for two years and, you know, he can never be an elder or ministerial servant again. Great. So he's never going to get fucking chores to do like, right. uh, yeah, there's he no, can still be around there. everyone's <laughs> children, you know? Yeah. So what a fun editor. <laughs> but yeah, it was to hear people that were that will actually back that up because when yes or last week when I talked to my mom, that was the first time since um, she had actually confronted me and said, you know, are you an apostate? Are you atheist? I want to know yes or no. And she, you know, gave me these ultimatums and nice. And I sat on that text for about a week. This was until last Friday, and I sat there. And I was like. What the hell? Finally, I called her and I was like, I don't even know where to start. And I'm like, and so we just started talking and I brought up the child abuse and she's like, well, yeah, you've complained about that before. So how do what do you think about you've complained about that? Before. Yeah. She's like, or you've brought that something like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever she said. But, and you know, she's like, so how do you feel about this guy? I'm not even going to say his name. It's not even worth it. Um, and I said, he should be in prison. And she's like, well, really? Yes. I'm like, absolutely. Why wouldn't he be? If the person down the street did that, you would call the police. Why is it any different? So, yeah, it's it's disheartening to see, and especially when it's, you know, someone you care about, see that they just, it just doesn't click. And that logic just doesn't work. And it's, yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Like you said, it's a sense of pity, really. Yeah. And they have to be backed into a corner with no other options before they're going to report it. Now, everything that happened with me and Brad and that whole situation of that, that 
child abuse that I dealt with did end up getting reported to the police. That's why I have a no contact restraining order like permanently in place. That man's mm-hmm. not allowed anywhere near my family. Now, the only reason why that got reported is because I confided in a friend who confided in her parents. So the news was already out. There's nothing to hide at this point. And it, once again, it's all about reputation. So at that point, they felt like they had no choice but to report it. But had it only been my mom that I told, I think things would have been very, very different. Yeah. 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 At least. Yeah. It, it sucks to think that it had to come from a third part from an outside party to really to get you know something to change to really get justice of some sort. So it's yeah. so. So was there a reason that you didn't go to the police to begin with? Or I, I mean, when it, so the the abuse that happened with Brad, who's essentially I call him biological sperm donor. Um, the abuse that happened with him happened when I was very, very, very young, and oh. uh, my mind for the longest time blocked out that trauma. And I didn't actually know about it, but like I said, when I started developing as a teen, nightmares started manifesting very, very, very deeply. And I didn't understand them or things like that. I I couldn't sleep. Like I still suffer with severe episodes of of insomnia. Like I have genuine sleep disorders. I can go days without, without sleep and it destroys me later on. But I was, you know, struggling to sleep. Didn't, didn't want to eat. I was dealing with, you know, that I didn't quite understand them. And it wasn't until I overheard a conversation that wasn't even about me. I had that it, like I said, it was almost like a flashback. It was almost like reliving it all over again before it clicked, before it suddenly yeah. made sense of why I'm having these nightmares, why I'm dealing with things that I didn't understand. So, and, and the friend that I had at the time, she was, she was another witness girl, but her and I got into a lot of trouble together. <laughs> and she could tell something was wrong. And she actually eventually ended up essentially dragging it out of me because... I, I was still processing it. So she had, and she's out now too. Like she's no longer, I think the majority of the people that I was friends with are essentially out. Yeah. So I still have contact with a few people, not on the inside, but that can relate to what I went through. Cause my best friend in the kingdom hall, she got disfellowshipped before, um, before I even had told my mom I didn't want to go back to meetings anymore. So I mean, I had essentially already lost her. And the other girl that I confided in that I was close friends with, she, uh, her parents hated me. So, (laughs) so I ended up, I ended up losing her anyways. We, we all ended up essentially reconnecting after we'd all gotten out and been done for some time. Well, Well, I mean, that's pretty nice. And it's funny, speaking of which, there's, you know, there's other people that I have, you know, to a certain extent reconnected with through your sister that were from, you know, back around that area that are now out. And I'm like, oh, like uh, Stephanie. Um, I didn't know Stephanie was out. And so I was like, wow, that's interesting. So I I didn't know she was out until my sister had, I think my sister had come to back to Casper for her reunion or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh gosh. That was, I crashed (laughs) her party. Okay. And I got to (laughs) hang out with all of her old high school buddies, but, um, 
yeah, it, she was like, oh, no, I had lunch with Stephanie. And I was like, isn't she? She's like, no. And I was like, crazy. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? And Isn't I'm like, that... the, the people you think won't ever make it out that actually make it out. Now, that's a story to tell. Yeah. Right. It's pretty crazy. I mean, like, even people have messaged me now since these podcasts have come out, people that I wouldn't expect. And they're like, yeah, I, I listened to your stuff. Congrats. And like, we're out now, too. And I'm like, what? Well, let's get a beer or something. <laughs> right. You know, let's reconnect. It's really nice. I mean, so many people have left. I, like you said, I, what most of your friends that you were friends with in when you were I in. Can, I think I can think of one one person and I'm pretty sure she was the elder's daughter. And I wouldn't say it was it was friends because she had been very backstabby for the entire time that I had known her. And after and I'm I'm almost guarantee you she's the one who who spread the rumor that essentially put everything into motion. So I guess I look back now, I should probably thank her. But, <laughs> probably. Yeah. but um, I'm pretty sure she's still very much in and indoctrinated in still. Um, I think her, parent, her parents are still heavily involved. Mom was a pioneer, dad was an elder. And I think the last time that I had an interaction with her, uh, it was at one of the memorials, because my mom still forced me to go to the memorial, even though I was not attending meetings. And I was still attending school, but there had been another situation where she got caught getting into some trouble. And we used to call this the limelight effect. So when you get into trouble, you shoot the light to somebody else so that it lessens on you and you get essentially less repercussions. So, yeah. of course, you know, she tried to do the whole ousting thing. And so when I showed up the memorial at this whole situation, because it caused another big fight between me and my mom, and I was like... At this point, I'm just, I, I don't really care. But we had gone to the memorial, and, like, she attempted to, like, interact with me. And I was like, I'm done. And I didn't give her the time of day. I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done playing nice. I'm done taking your shit. I'm, I'm done. I have nothing more to say to you. All you want to do is continuously do damage to me. Deal with your own life. And I remember her dad pulling me aside, you know, saying, oh, you, you know, essentially saying how bad I hurt her feelings. And I was just like, well, if she didn't play games, we wouldn't have these problems. And I think that's the first time I actually stood up to her dad. And I was like, just because she's here and she's involved in this community that you have does not mean I have to be friends with her. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, so you don't, I was like, don't back me into a corner. Yeah. I'm not. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, just because you go to that church, that religion, you're, that does not make you a good person at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> what I wasn't understanding is why she's so upset about us not being friends when she's not being a friend in the first place. Right. Yeah. Right. What was the uh, last witness gathering you went to? Oh, God. So I like to think that <laughs> I am a person of my word, and I may have drunkenly promised my mom I would go to the memorial with her shortly after my son was born. Did you drunkenly go to the memorial then, too? No, I was painfully sober. Oh. But I should have been. <laughs> uh, but at the time, I had pitch black hair, because I had lost a bet and dyed my hair. And I would already had a tattoo down my back. And I had a baby at this point in time. So when I showed up, nobody recognized me at first. Right. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. And I, I kind of just sat in the back with my mom. And I, I will never 
forget this moment, but my son, my mom was, you know, decided to hold him and opening prayer, he proceeds to projectile vomit all over her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Closing prayer, he proceeded proceeded to crap himself so loudly (laughs) it echoed through the entire thing. So, I mean... You know, that um, happened to me once too, but I was 22, so it wasn't too nothing. <laughs> but anyways. Um, <laughs> but not a lot of people recognized me. And then, you know, they they essentially, what they saw is was like, oh, this is a newer person coming in. And when I kind of revealed to them, I'm like, no, I'm one, I'm, I'm you know, her daughter. The look of like almost shock. Yeah, then they recognized her. Oh, that is you. <laughs> They're like, oh god, and then the then the cycle started again. They're like, gotta back away yeah. from this person. Yeah. This person's there, and I think after after the memorial, I went and had dinner with my mom and a, a bunch of like the like a group of witnesses. And after we left dinner, we kind of sat in the parking lot. And my mom was like, so, and I was like, yeah. You walk into a place, and when people realize who you are, and you're suddenly not welcome anymore, is not something I want to be a part of. And I was like, so no matter how trashed I get in the future, and tell you that I'll be somewhere, don't count on it. Right, right. Yeah, that, that was that was it. That, that was the last function in the past. When was that? How long ago? Oh, yeah. How long? That was After 2012. Oh, right so it's been a while since you've been yeah, so almost almost nine 13, years yeah almost nine years since my last actual like attendance of anything yeah. but about 13 years since i officially was like i don't want to go to meetings or deal with yeah. that anymore wow yeah. and i think i think uh i mean i've been questioning some of the stuff that i was learning for a long time like it just didn't make sense right. i had a lot of problems with their policies Uh, Talking to even like different therapists and telling them like like what I was going through, they're like, "Huh? Like that's that that's that doesn't feel normal. That doesn't feel healthy." And I think being able to watch different reactions, especially from therapists telling them things, you really start to think and really start to look past everything they're teaching you. Yeah, yeah, you start to. No, you had something you were going to say. What was your... Oh, no, I was just going to say something about them not recognizing you anymore. <laughs> I was in a brewery with my buddy, and we were just sitting there having a beer. And all of a sudden, I won't say his name, but an elder that I've known since I was this tall just comes up and stands at the table, and he's drinking heavy beer. And he's, like, looking at me. So I'm like, he must be... He must recognize me. So I, like, kind of waved, and he waved back, and... Then he started engaging in conversation and I was like, okay. So I started chit-chatting with him for, I mean, we probably talked for five minutes or so until I really realized like he has no idea who I am at all. <laughs> and so finally I was just like, do you know who I am? And he's like, mm-hmm, maybe a guy from work or something. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm Ethan Lundholm. And he just shut up. And then he kind of just kind of backed away and he said, Oh, your hair's longer now. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I got some tattoos now too. And (laughs) And I just kind of casually kept talking and he slammed that 14% beer and took off. (laughs) Like he paid, I don't think he could pay fast enough, man. But it was just funny. It was like, we're literally 10 feet from each other, man. You've known me since I'm terrified of my shadow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like being in the same that. vicinity of me is going to taint you. If your faith is already that shaken where right. you feel like you can't be in the same room as someone who has walked away and established themselves, you're probably yeah. it's like the I fact ran... that no, it's crazy. No. Not like I ran into, I think I mentioned it, I ran into someone from uh, one of the congregations nearby here at a gas station here. And I like I I don't live in town here. So I was, you know, this is their turf so she probably didn't expect to see me there but i walked into the into a gas station walked past this old this sister and her eyes got like this big and she turned the other and she just walked out of the store and i'm like okay well i guess you didn't need whatever it is you thought you needed but yeah she just error they don't know what to do it's like just you couldn't even be in the same (laughs) gas station as me when i was not even engaging with you like yeah yeah it's ridiculous no, it's, and again i'm at a point where i just laughed i was like whatever you do what you gotta do like i'm not gonna lose any sleep over it anymore no no and besides it, it sucks but i mean i've i've kind of gotten used to it you develop some pretty thick skin when yeah. you're used to being the the poor talk of the community you do, develop some pretty thick skin so it's just like <laughs> You're still talking about me. The rumors that I got after I left my mom's though were fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Like I, re- I was working, I was working at GameStop and my friend Emily, uh, like I hadn't seen her in forever and she had, she had gotten out too. And she ran into me and she's like, I thought you left town. I was like, when would I have left town? Like, where would I go? And she's just like, well, the rumor meal is, is you stopped taking your meds and you went crazy and disappeared. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, I disappeared. I was already crazy. I think I went to find some stability. Okay, let's be honest. But, you know. Yeah. No, there's, yeah, I mean, I'm hearing, I mean, I've been hearing interesting rumors about me just over the last few weeks, few months. So, yeah. Before I was even gone, I got drug dealer. Somebody came up, one of my friends came up to me and they're like, hey, I heard you're a drug dealer now. I was like, nope. (laughs) Don't know why you'd think that. Well, so and so told me, and that's apparently the word in the town. Yeah, I think no. I think they do that to to try to make you look like monsters, so that when people see you on the outside, they're like, "Oh, they're they're gonna they're gonna ruin me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a way of dehumanizing people, just you know, making them less than you, and yeah, it's a way to make yourself feel better by making the other person look like shit. Yeah. Yeah. Reinforce so, your own belief system pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. So, but all right. So I think the last interaction yeah. I actually had with witnesses besides my mom is they showed up on my doorstep out in Georgia. Um, that was an interesting conversation because getting to tell them, Hey, I'm former and they, they stayed and they talked to me. I was like, well, this is, this is interesting. I mm-hmm. guess I'll just, yeah. and this is, this is probably about the time that I was like, I'm, gonna stop answering my door man <laughs> but uh <laughs> that you know they start they were like okay so you've been out for a while like what are your belief you know kind of going over my beliefs and stuff like that and essentially testing the waters to see how much i actually still believed and i think when i kind of went over where i stood and how i felt uh they were really taken back they're like wow we've met never really met someone who's come out of the witnesses who still didn't have some beliefs of beliefs of theirs and i was like well you know New things for everybody, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I mean, I guess I'll count myself with that too. I don't know that there's much yeah. of anything that I was raised to believe that I still really adhere to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of don't get involved in politics too much. I guess that's the only thing that I've kind of carried with me. But yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll still get involved if I want to. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, yeah, but, I voted this year. Like, I got back into. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Other than that, yeah. So yeah, yeah no. it's, it's weird. It's yeah. it's funny that you know, and again, and I guess somewhat to their credit it does i mean there's there are ones that leave that do they still hang on to those beliefs and they might i mean they might fully believe a hundred percent for the rest of their lives even though they're disfellowshipped and they're out or something like that they still think well you know i just can't live this life i just can't do it and then they just suffer because they still believe it like that's got to be a special kind of hell Right. To be out but still in your mind to go oh yeah no this is right that's yeah, that's got to be a terrible place. It's got to be brutal. Yeah. So. Oh um, yeah. So, your parents or Brad and your mom were they like were they born and raised or did they come into it at some point? You know that is a great question. That's something that I mean I guess I always assumed my mom was born and raised, but I don't have those official answers. <laughs> those were things that I never really cared about to ask. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but for as know, long as I've known. Do you know, is Brad still in or no? Even Would no? it shock <laughs> me? No. Um, but I haven't... I have not spoken to him for a very long time. About, about I'd say about when I, I was about 15 and everything kind of came to a okay. head and everything kind of got mm-hmm. revealed about what was going on. Uh, contact was cut. Uh, yeah. The officer that handled the case, and he's just like, "Nope, no, we're we're nixing contact here." Uh, I mean, he did try to break that no contact order very sneakily. Like, so I was living in I was living in Georgia at the time, and I get a call from uh, one of my former. She she was out at this time, but she'd also been a witness. But she knew Brad as well. I got a call from one of my best friends and she's like, I want to tell you something. I'm like, what? And she's like, you know, Brad's in Casper, right? I was like, okay, he's got friends there still. And she's like, but he just was talking to my dad and was asking him some questions that I, that my dad called me about and I wasn't comfortable with asking. So I wanted to give you a heads up. I'm like, well, what is he asking? Well, what's your last name? Like all of these like questions that he didn't have. Cause he, didn't know he wasn't there when I got married or when I had kids or or anything to do with that so I mean he had no clue how to find me but it was very very obvious that he was trying to find me and he'd actually because not a lot of people knew about that situation that had happened and like the process with police and how that got involved so my mom still has friends in Texas and one of her friends reached out to me and said that she had ran into Brad at an assembly and had, you know, when she, Brad talked to her, he was like, well, tell my daughter no hard feelings and then gave her his number to give to me, hoping that I'd reach out and call him and break the no contact order. I'm not f- stupid. Right. I'm not stupid. Anyways, so I after I got off the phone with my my friend at the time. Um, I called, I, I called my mom and I couldn't get a hold of her. So I immediately called cause I had the t- 
the detective's number and I was like, hey, could you do, could you figure out what's going on? Because he really has no reason to be there. Mm, I was like, right. and I'm like, and even if he does, he has no business asking questions uh, about me because he doesn't yeah, deserve right. that information. Right. So he, so the detective took two big cops <laughs> over to, uh, over to where he was staying and they tried to make contact several times. Like Brad had been in the house. He knew he was in the house and they wouldn't answer the doors to the cops. So he essentially they waited. He, cause the police station was right across from where he was staying. He's not a smart, he's not a smart, smart man at all. Um, so they essentially waited for him to go out to his vehicle and they had left copies of the no contact orders on his car and the door. So Brad's seen them. He's very well. He's seen them. So he went out there and he took up two burly cops and he's like, I don't know why you're in town. I really don't care why you're in town. He's like, but you need to shut up. You need to stop asking questions because you have no business knowing anything about your daughter anymore. You lost that privilege. He's like, so you have two options. You either shut up or you get the hell out of town. He's like, because if I have to come back here, I'm going to come back here with cuffs. Brad left the following morning. And (laughs) as far as I know, hasn't been back since. Good. Wow. Perfect. Nice. Good. It's crazy. (laughs) He's he's a piece of work. No kidding. But when I was... When I was 18 and I had finally gotten out of my mom's and stuff like that, I started having, I was actually, I first met him when I was still living with my mom. Um, but I met Steve, which I, I call him dad now. He's the person I call on Father's Day. He's, he's, he's my dad. He's the person in my life that took me in uh, with barely even knowing me. My sister and her ex-husband were moving from their apartment into their new house in Casper. We were helping them move. My mom wasn't able to to be there. But Steve came into town. My dad came into town. And I used to wear this pretty noticeable, like, Rolling Stones beanie. I'm a huge Stones fan. (laughs) My dad is a huge Rolling Stones fan. So he... And I was, while we were kind of in between moving stuff, I was doing classwork for... uh, I was in anatomy and physiology. And I was doing classwork. and, And he had seen, like, all of my weird organ sketches so after we had gotten things moved we'd been up the mall so he went in and he bought me um a couple of medical books because there was something i was really interested in at the time from the bookstore and he gave them to me and that was i mean this was this was just the first time ever meeting steve and just spending time together and the conversations finally when i got out from under my mom's wings and Ever. And I had moved in essentially with the roommates and got out of kind of a toxic, very toxic relationship at that point in time. But he had reached out to me. He swung through town. He gave me money. And he's treated me like a daughter ever since. Nice. Nice. Very cool. That's awesome. And I look back yeah. and I was just like, I, I look back and I was like at my mom and I'm like, how could you just, how could you throw that away for that? Like, <laughs> you screwed up because he yeah. is a good man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that indoctrination. It's just you're you're completely incapable of logic and reason. And if you are not, if you don't believe and think and feel the same way, that's all that matters. Yeah. You know, I part of the conversation that I had with my mom last last week was even because she took issue with the fact that I that I put anything online because she somehow came across 
my Reddit account and my Twitter account where I had all of my XJW stuff. Fine, whatever. So she, but she took offense to that I posted things online. Not so much that I felt those things that I thought them, and that I, I'm like, well. But the problem is, I needed support from other people. I, you know, I like-minded people that have gone through the same experiences. They dealt with the same things, because I, as mentioned before, I don't have that support at the Kingdom Hall. So I got to find it somewhere, especially when my ex-wife is making me want to hang myself in the basement. Like, <laughs> like I got to, I got to do something somewhere. So I told my mom, I said, these people that you call stupid, my fake friends, and that they're so horrible. They're the ones that have kept me alive the last year and a half. So would you prefer the alternative that I didn't post all this online and I didn't make these friends? Which would you prefer? And she's like, well, that's a stupid question. <laughs> no, it's a legitimate question. Wh which is it? Yeah. You know, you backed yeah. yourself into this corner. Well, well now you're being unreasonable. Right. So, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. But <laughs> no, it's that indoctrination to, if you don't believe the same as them, it doesn't matter anymore. So that hive mind, though, is it's like it's blood out of the witnesses and it's blood out everywhere because yeah. um, I don't even want to deal with politics these days because of like the hive <laughs> minds that it creates. Yeah. Good Lord, yeah. like having flashbacks here. I need to take a step back, find <laughs> right. inner peace. Yeah, no kidding. And I know I said like, yeah, the one of the things I don't do much in is politics, but that's exactly why. It's not because I don't think that they're essential. It's because everybody has become so tribalistic, so like-minded. Like, if you don't agree with this, I mean, even science is getting that way. If like, you're if not you with me, you're against with, me. Yeah. If you don't agree with what we've already established is what we're all agreeing on, then you can leave. And then it starts a whole separate group. <laughs> and it's just constant headbutting doesn't yeah. really matter what you're looking at but yeah no it's everywhere it really is it's hard to get away from <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but we got away from it so oh yeah it's good yeah so and now i've now i've <laughs> being out you know i've made amazing connections i've found great hobbies like all the things that i love to do would not be allowed if I was still a witness. Like I love yeah, D and I love say. video games. I love, I you love said. rock and roll music. Um, I yeah. love all of the things that I essentially couldn't have when I was, when I was yeah. growing up. Right. I think my mom still blames my leaving on like Tool, <laughs> the music I listen to. <laughs> Because yeah. uh, I remember when I was just kind of like, no, nah, I'm over this. She goes, I really wish that you would just go through all your music and just erase it all and then start over new because I think your music is really what's pulling you apart. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what's. Yeah. <laughs> I think my music kept my sanity those years exactly. that I was essentially stuck yeah. in this exactly. mode of I'm like I'm in between like I am stuck between two places and I can't get out. I'm not an adult yet, so I can't get the hell out, but I'm not going back. So I think the only thing that kept me going and probably kept me from repeated suicide attempts was my music. So I wasn't, wasn't about to give that up. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. it's yeah. That's one of the things that my mom's like, well, where do, where do you get this information? Who taught, who told you this? Like, it's all over. <laughs> I said, Google it. Just type Jehovah's Witnesses into Google. Just do that. That's it. Take five seconds. That's it. I know you're you not going to do that. 
you know they but, turn around though and they 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 spin that oh this this is this is tribulation we are going right. to see hard times we are going to face them trying to shut us down because that's the sign of the end of the times they knew it was coming they knew right. that eventually there would be a level of revolt and they take it and they turn it around as is we're being persecuted right yeah. no no you're being held <laughs> accountable for shitty behavior yeah basically that's so. the same thing finally <laughs> yeah. finally no, I- uh, a friend of mine, um, actually, she posted a picture on Facebook earlier today, uh, my friend Mary, and it's uh, some friends of mine, actually, I believe from England made, it's a XJW group in uh, England, that they made some shirts and whatnot, it's shunning kills, and then it has, you know, a basically a tribute to um, essentially victims of suicide because of, you know, the witnesses, and one of the one of the lines on it is, uh, prosecution is not persecution. Those are two very different things. One of those is important. One of those needs to happen. But you're not being persecuted. No. So Not by any means. Yeah. No. But that's, so that's kind of, I mean, and I think we're kind of coming to the end here. We should probably wrap up before too terribly long. But it's, so, you know, you kind of mentioned some of the things that you, that you've gotten into that you like that you enjoy i even told ethan the other night i was like yeah it didn't work out to record tonight but maureen said anytime this week but friday works because she's got a dnd session friday so. <laughs> <laughs> so so which and i mentioned to you i'm like sometime i'm gonna have to get in and like you know join you, you guys know where, you know is a great place for for you guys to start if you're ever interested in D. um i recommend this to like everybody they um yeah. So you can find you can find them in like podcasts the videos are on youtube they're amazing but if you look up critical role uh-huh, Critical yeah. Role is oh gosh, it's one of my favorite favorite shows. I love Matt Mercer. He is a DM yeah. god. He is a legend. Um, it's him <laughs> and a bunch of voice actors, and they've got they're on their second campaign, but they're running things, and it's it's so beautifully done. But it gives you a really good feel for D and D, and then it's he works with Wizards of the Coast, so he's cre- I'm actually playing one of his creations. Two, okay, uh-huh. two of his creations. <laughs> I actually, uh, when, you say the Co- when you say Wizards of the Coast, oddly enough, like I actually know what you're talking about. So, like, I said, <laughs> so uh, like Wizards I said, of the Coast I, makes sense. My whole life, too. Like, I've been into comics, so I, yeah, I'm, hmm. I'm familiar with that world a little bit. So, yeah, D and D got demonized by a lot of, even you know, a lot of even religions in a sense demonized D and D because they had no idea what Dungeons and Dragons really was. Yeah. Right. Well, and one of the like one of the original creators is actually an ex-witness. What? Yeah. Hmm. Um, I didn't God, know that, but it wouldn't shock me. What is it? Um, right. He he's got a book out about his, you know, essentially when they were starting to develop D and D, and and he briefly makes mention in the book that he was raised as a witness or was at least like a witness at some point in his life. Um, huh. God, what is I want to say his name is Gary. Uh, Gary, go Gak, Gary Gak, not Gak. I don't. Know. <laughs> Gary like some, but yeah. Anyway, so one of the original uh, developers of D and D was a witness at one point. That's pretty interesting, so, actually. Yeah. That's a cool. huh. So That's fascinating. So any yeah, just, just dropping stuff. Um, <laughs> so so again, we come back to like you know finding paradise. Like what? Like, it sounds like you're in a good place. Like, what do you, if you had to say something to the people that are listening or going to watch this, what's your, what's your take on where you are now and how you got there and kind of your, 
maybe closing thoughts for them? I feel like everybody's journey is is different, whether you're coming out of something dark and finding something better. There's a pathway to it. And my biggest advice to anybody who is genuinely trying to, who has, is, is questioning their faith or anything like that, look outside the box. They are teaching you not to look outside the box. Look outside the box and open your circles because there are a lot of us out here that have walked this journey who will 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 help you pull through. Yeah. As alone as I was and as alone as I'm sure we all felt, um, had I not been alone, it probably would have been easier. So I would happily be that person for anybody that's ready to get out to yeah. to help them. Right. That's why we're there, I wouldn't trade the genuine, <laughs> genuine happiness that I have for anything, any hollow promise, anything. No. No. Good Completely for you. agree. Well, good for you. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it was nice so, meeting you. Yeah. yeah. We'll have Absolutely. to keep in touch. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah no, sure. it's, yeah. Very, yeah. Very privileged to have you on the show. It was yeah. awesome. Loved having you here. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch. We'll have to talk with your sister. Maybe she wants to get on sometime. Well, we'll see what happens. But, her journey's her journey's different. She got out. I got out before she did. Yeah. I'm really? not gonna take I'm gonna I'm not gonna take <laughs> all the credit when I say that I may have dropped kernels of truth along the way yeah, to try to help yeah. pull her, but I don't think I had a happier moment when my sister called me and was just like, I'm done. I think yeah. I was like I was like, I have family. <laughs> it, was yeah. an, it was an amazing feeling. Yeah. Well, right. similar. Yeah. My, my sister was out, uh, for probably about four years before me, three, four years. And, you know, I never completely shunned her. I never completely cut her off, but I never reached out and, you know, kind of helped her and was there for her when she needed it and things like that. But, you know, as soon as I was like, look, no, I don't believe this. And we, and I was making my way out. I mean, we reconnected. It was just perfect. Like it didn't, there was no hesitation and that's kind of the, you know, that's one of the things that I would suggest to other people. Don't be bitter. Just, just let it go. Yeah. We understand there's trauma, there's things, but be there for other people as much as you can, you know, and granted there's hard times and it's tough to do it, but do what yeah. you can to help other people. So right. exactly. And, but that's it. No, uh, again, awesome. Having you on the show. We thank you very much. We'll definitely be yeah. in touch. And, uh, Enjoy the restaurant. Have fun tomorrow night. Oh, oh yeah. I will. I'll keep, I'll keep you in the loop. But if you have any questions or anything, just hit me up. I think I, I think I added you, Ethan, on, on Facebook as well. So, yeah, just yeah. keep in touch. You guys right have on, a good baby. night then. Thanks, Thanks, a lot, Thanks for having me. Yep. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> well, that's it. One episode. Oh, episode uh, three. Yeah, episode three. And uh, <sighs> that went well. Another good one. So, yeah. uh, thank you guys, everyone, uh, for watching. It was amazing and good times. Cheers, bud. Cheers. Thanks, people. See you later.